0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Last week we started a series called I Pity the Fool, Practical Wisdom from the book of James. Before the, uh, the first service, somebody came up to me and gave me this keychain, Mr. T, in your pocket. I pity you. There you go. After that's that's the title of the series from Mr. T. I Pity the Full Practical Wisdom from the Book of James. We looked at James chapter 1, and the title of my message last week was A Faith That Works When Life Doesn't. And we talked about overcoming, dealing with troubles and challenges from a godly biblical perspective. Today we're going to focus on James chapter 2, especially the second half of the chapter. We'll read the whole thing in a moment but James chapter two and the title of my message is how to know if my faith is real. How to know if my faith is real. Now we're gonna start off with a little game this morning and you have to participate whether you want to or not, (laughs) all right? Some of you look real angry about that, but right? I'm your pastor, you have to do what I say. (laughs) Here's the game, it's called church signs, fake or real. It's very easy, we're gonna put a sign up And by show of hands, you're going to raise your hand if you think it's real or if you think it's fake. Okay, are you? You got it. Are you ready? All right. Okay, here we go. Here we go. First one, whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. (laughs) How many of you think that's real? How many of you think that's fake? All right, let's find out. There you go. It's real. Good old Baptist church. Okay, next one. Ready or not, here I come. Jesus, how many of you think that's real? (laughs) How many of you think that's fake? All right, let's find out. Fake, all right. I think I had a sermon called that one time, actually. All right, next one. Walmart is not the only saving place. (laughs) How many of you think that's real? How many of you think it's fake? Okay, let's see. It's real, another (laughs) another Baptist church. (laughs) Next one. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. (laughs) How many of you think it's real? Who thinks it's fake? Let's see. It's real. Next one. God's love is deeper than this snow. How many of you say that's real? How many of you think it's fake? It's real. No snow in that picture. Apparently that sign was up for several months. <laughs> Did it change it? All right, let's go to the next one. If evolution were true, moms would have six arms. How many of you think that's real? A couple of the moms are raising their hands. <laughs> How many of you think it's fake? It's fake. Okay, we two or three more. Next one. Knock, knock, who's there? Jesus. Jesus who? Exactly. <laughs> that one makes me laugh every time. How many of you think it's real? How many of you think it's fake? It's real. Another Baptist church. If you're reading this, it's not too late. Jesus. How many of you think it's real? How many of you think it's fake? How many of you don't care anymore? (laughs) Just kidding. Or fake. All right, we got one or two more. Go to the next one. Sorry. Church parking only. Violators will be baptized. (laughs) That's a good sign. How many of you think it's real? How many of you think it's fake? It's real. I think we got one more. Now is a good time to visit our pastors on vacation. Oh man. Ouch, That one hurts. That one hits close to home. How many of you think it's real? How many of you think it's fake? It's real. Oh gosh, it's funny. We live in a world full of fake, fake products, fake resources, things that look real, but are cheap. Imitations. In fact, it's interesting in our culture, things like the metaverse, like virtual reality in which people create fake worlds are becoming increasingly popular. You can eat a fake taco with fake meat and fake cheese in it. That ought to be illegal. That's blasphemous. You can have a fake tan with fake nails, with fake hair, fake eye. Fake eyelashes, what am I trying to say? Fake eyelashes, fake teeth, fake body parts that we won't mention, with fake designer clothes, fake fur, fake leather, while drinking coffee with fake sugar, come on, while you talk about fake news to fake friends on social media using your fake identity. (laughs) As they say, sometimes you gotta fake it till you make it. We live in a world full of fake. Sometimes there are some things in life where fake works just fine, sometimes maybe just as good as the real thing. But one area of life where fake does not work well at all, church, is in our faith. Fake faith doesn't work. We need real faith. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible, in the Word of God. And in order to receive them, in order to access them, in order for them to work in your life, you need to have real faith. Real faith, excuse me. Fake faith has no power to save you. Fake faith has no power to change you. Fake faith has no power to answer your prayers. And so, this is what James addresses in James chapter 2. He talks about the difference between real and fake faith. In fact, would you open up? in your Bibles with me, if you would, to James chapter two. Let's go ahead and stand to your feet. I like to stand when we read the word of God because there's nothing more powerful than God's word. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for its power to change our lives. I pray that you would speak to us today. I pray that we, we would have ears to hear, hearts to receive. God, help us to be doers of your word, not just hearers only. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. 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 James chapter two, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or I'll sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal laws found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law for the person who keeps all of the laws, except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Let's read verses, uh, the next two verses, 17 and 18, uh, out loud together. Ready, let's go. So you see, faith by itself, isn't enough unless it produces good deeds it is dead and useless now someone may argue some people have faith others have good deeds but i say how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds i will show you my faith by my good deeds okay good i'll read this you say you have faith for you believe that there is one god good for you (laughs) He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath. In fact, let's read verse 26. Let's start over, let's all read it together, ready, go. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. As you're seated, look at the person next to you and say, don't be fake, keep it real. And Then you can be seated. You just read a whole chapter of the Bible. Good job. If you're familiar with the Bible at all, you might think when you read James chapter 2 or the book of James, you might think that James contradicts what Paul writes in his letters, but that's a misunderstanding, You're, you, would, you would be wrong. James and Paul don't contradict each other, they complement one another. In fact, go ahead and put this graphic, if you would, on the screen. Paul often emphasizes how to know I'm saved. James emphasizes how to show I'm saved. Paul's focus is the root of my salvation. And the root of our salvation, men and women, is internal. It's in our hearts. Only only we know that. Only God can see that. James focuses on the fruit of my salvation, which, which is external, which is visible to other people. Paul, when he's referring to works, often is talking about keeping Jewish laws. And James is talking about living like Jesus. In Paul, he emphasizes the fact that we are justified not by our good works. And James emphasizes, excuse me, that we are justified for good works. In fact, let me read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. This is what Paul says. For by grace, everybody say grace. Grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Say faith. faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Say good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Those three things. In fact, did you notice the three prepositions? By grace, through faith, for good works. Church, we ought to be growing in all three of those areas. We ought to be growing in grace. We ought to be growing in faith. We ought to be growing in good works. And let me be crystal clear, And we just read it. Works, your good works cannot save you. In other words, there is nothing that you can do or I can do or anybody can do to earn their salvation. You can't earn salvation. No matter how good you are or how good you think you are, you can't earn your salvation. The Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags before the Lord. Why? Because he's perfect and holy in every single way. And because of our sin and our brokenness, we fall far short of that. You can't earn salvation by your good works. There is only one work that brings salvation, and that is the work of the cross, the finished work of the cross. When Jesus Christ died for you and died for me, for your sins and my sins, and shed his own perfect, sinless, holy blood. Come on, somebody. That's what brings us salvation. We put our faith and our trust in what he did. It is by grace, through faith, that we're saved. In other words, let me say it like this. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Because if Jesus comes into our life, (laughs) then good works should naturally follow. Our life ought to be changed. We'll revisit that in a moment. Paul says that faith is the cause of salvation. James says that works are the effect of salvation. You could say it like this. Paul says that we are justified before God by faith. James says that we are justified before other people by our good works. Is this making sense, hello? All right, this, this message is gonna get a lot longer if you guys don't help me out here, okay? Because I'll just keep talking. In other words, it's, it's two sides of the same coin. It's two sides of the same coin. In fact, by the way, you can write this down if you want. In Matthew chapter five, when Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks a lot about good works. Good works that flow out of us he says you are the light of the world you are the salt of the earth let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven so this is what we're talking about we're talking about real faith today how to know if my faith is real how to know if my faith is real i'm going to give you five points you can think of it as a self-test, all right? When I'm preaching today, anytime I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself. But listen, I'm preaching to you. So don't think about your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Think about, I it, you, do I pass this faith test? It's a self-test. Number one is this, real faith is more than words I say. Real faith is more than words I say. Verse 14, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions. Just claiming that I have faith doesn't mean that I do. Anybody ever watch those award shows, those Hollywood award shows, movie, TV shows, whatever, music award shows, and somebody gets an award, a musical artist gets an award, first words out of his mouth or her mouth or something like, I just wanna give thanks to to the big man upstairs, or they say something like, You know, they might even say something that sounds more Christian. And then you look at their life or the performance they just gave five minutes before, and it's the most vile, wicked, garbage thing you've ever seen. And it's contrary to every word in the Bible. Listen, their words don't mean anything. That's fake faith. Just knowing Christianese, (laughs) the right phrases to say at the right times, that don't mean anything. Just knowing uh, the right phrases to repeat in prayer, you think they're the right phrases. Something that you heard somebody else say, that doesn't mean that you have real faith. (laughs) You ever been around somebody who prays, knows how to pray beautifully? They pray these what you think are long, beautiful, eloquent prayers, which, by the way, don't impress God. And then their lifestyle's a mess. They don't live like a Christian. They say really nice things to God, and they say really mean things to everybody else. That's fake faith. They're the same ones that cut you off in the freeway and then give you the one finger salute. Right. And then they got the Christian bumper sticker on their car. Come on. If you're going to if you're going to, you know, put a Christian bumper sticker on your car, then drive like a Christian. That's that's one of the reasons, by the way, I don't have a Christian bumper sticker on my car. (laughs) I don't want to have to drive like a Christian studies. Listen, studies show even today, even in our culture today, most people, the majority of Americans would claim to be a Christian but they don't live like one. They live however they they want to. That's not faith, according to James, according to the word of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says something. I think it's one of the scariest verses in the Bible. This ought to put the fear of God in all of our hearts. Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Come on, it's more than words. I could tell you right now that I am the greatest rapper in the whole world. And in my brief and highly unsuccessful rap career, I have went by such rap monikers as 27 Cent, White Chocolate, Pale Dog, and Rev Reeve. And the moment I open up my mouth and start rapping, you guys will know, yeah, you ain't the greatest rapper in the world, Pastor. Come on, stick to preaching, not rapping, right? Fake faith is worthless. Real faith is more than words. Number two, real faith is more than an emotion I feel. (laughs) Real faith is more than an emotion I feel. This cracks me up what James writes. Verse 15, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? (laughs) So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. The other day, about a week ago, Jenny somehow, we have a four-month-old little girl named Eliana, Jenny somehow got her finger stuck in the car seat and at first I thought it was funny and I started laughing and then I realized Jenny was upset and she was in pain. She, listen, she didn't need, Jenny didn't need me to, uh, to give her some pious platitude like, Jenny, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> she didn't need my sympathy. She didn't even need my prayers. She needed immediate assistance. She needed me to do something and help her out. Church, as Christians, we should always pray. We should always pray. Everything should be birthed and bathed in prayer, but if we can, we ought to do more than pray. In fact, any time we can, we ought to do more than pray. Listen, sometimes you pray for somebody, God God is telling you, I want you to be the answer to their prayer. If you see, it, ministry is this, it is finding a need and meeting it. It's finding a hurt and healing it. And if you, in your ability, in your power, by the by the grace of God, whatever the case is, if you can meet a need, then you ought to do that. You ought to do, we ought to pray, you ought to do more than pray because real faith, is practical, real faith meets people's needs. This is why I like the book of James. Personally, I have a a theology degree. I don't give a hoot about theology. I don't give a hoot about what some theologian thinks about you know, end times eschatology. I want real practical faith. I wanna know how to live like Jesus. (laughs) That's what James is talking about. As a church family, by the way, we meet needs all the time. We meet needs all the time with our giving, with our partnerships. Every Christmas, we we uh, support and bless over 100 families in Mexico, and we give them food and clothing. We give them Christmas gifts that wouldn't be able to have a Christmas otherwise. Every month, we're partnering with several ministries and missionaries all around the world and locally including the dream center in los angeles which is doing unbelievable things in that city rescuing people from prostitution taking them out of bondage and addiction and and abuse we partner with project impact dr matt and mary harris that provide for children and youth and their families tutoring and mentoring and counseling education job placement they're changing whole communities in the in the uh, Los Angeles region. We partner with a a ministry, by the way, called Esther's Voice, which is based in Cambodia. Pastor Andrew and Janine Kabbalah founded that. Esther's Voice is rescuing young girls from human trafficking, one of the most wicked things that I can possibly imagine. In fact, in in impoverished nations like Cambodia, it's not uncommon for the parents to actually sell their young girls or, or boys, for that matter, into human trafficking just because they need money. And what Esther's voice is doing, it is taking girls off the streets, literally rescuing them off the streets, bringing them to Jesus. Jesus is saving them. He's healing them. He's changing their lives. They're getting mentoring. They're getting counseling. They're getting completely rehabilitated and healed in every way. They're getting taught new life skills and new jobs. So they can go into a career, start a brand new life, and a new family. Come on, somebody say amen. As a church, we're doing we're doing those things with our giving, with our generosity. In fact, we also every summer and throughout the year, but especially in the summer, we send several mission tri- mission uh, teams. Excuse me, on mission trips around the world to various parts of the world to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Pastor Cindy just led a team to Malawi, Africa a few weeks ago. Praise the Lord for all that he did. See, not only did we meet spiritual needs, we met practical needs as well. And I believe that God is clearly calling our church to reach outside of our church walls more and more and to bless our city, to bless our surrounding communities all around the world, Southern California. We need to demonstrate the love of Jesus. Some of you are thinking, yeah, pastor, that's right. How come we're not feeding the homeless every week? Well, my question is, then why don't you lead it? (laughs) Well, I don't, you know, I don't really have time to do that. You know, I just think it's a good idea. Well, then you're stirred emotionally, but there's no action behind that. Come on, there's no ministry without a minister. You step up and lead it. We'll get behind you and support you. Take action. Listen, you can be inspired, you can be emotionally moved in a church service or hear a message and never have real faith. Sympathy by itself is fake faith, it's useless. Number three is this, real faith is more than an idea I debate. Real faith is more than an idea I debate. Verse 18, says, now someone may argue, well, some people have faith, but others have good deeds. (laughs) Then James says, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Listen, for some people, all their Christianity is. The extent of their their faith, it's just an intellectual game. It's just a mental challenge. It's just a theology to be studied, a doctrine to be debated, a dogma to be defended, an idea to be discussed, a truth to be talked about. They want to talk about the Bible. They don't want to live the Bible. (laughs) I I know some people that know a lot of Bible. They can quote a lot of verses, but they're not living them. They might know about Jesus but they're not living like Jesus. James says that's fake faith. That's not real faith. If you don't some people just want to obey they don't want to obey God, they want to debate God. The key word in verse 18 is show. Show me your deeds. Show me your life. Show me your actions. I think of that That scene in Jerry Maguire, that famous scene with Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding Jr., where Cuba's on the phone with his agent, Jerry Maguire, and he says, come on, Jerry, show me the money. And he says, say it, Jerry, say it, show me the money. And then he gets him to start shouting it. James is saying, show me the faith. Show me the faith. Faith, like love, by the way, is invisible. Of course, you can't see it. So, how do you know if faith, how do you know if love is real? You can see the evidence or the results or the fruit of it. You can see it in someone's life. It's like calories. You'll never see a calorie. You can't see calories. But if you eat enough delicious Mexican food, you'll see the results of calories. <laughs> if you eat enough crumbled cookies, you'll see the results of calories, right? If you're married, don't just say that you love your spouse, show them, show them. By the way, that's what God does with us. God didn't just say, I love you, he showed it. Romans 5 8, God clearly, but God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. James is saying, if you're really a Christian, then show me your faith. Prove it with your actions. I want to see Jesus in your life. If I right now grabbed a live electrical wire, I would see the effects of that real quickly. <laughs> And so would you listen, if someone as big and awesome and great and powerful and magnificent as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the sinless savior, if someone as awesome as Jesus comes into your life, men and women, then your life is not going to be the same. If your life looks exactly the same now as the day that you gave your life to Christ, maybe you have fake faith. Maybe you haven't really met Jesus. Maybe you just have some feelings or some ideas. Because Jesus does not come into any of our lives just simply to rearrange some furniture, or move a couch, or put a picture of a beach up on on our wall. Jesus comes in to do an extreme home makeover. Come on. He comes in to do a fixer-upper, a complete renovation. The Holy Spirit's going to put some shiplap all over your life. Your life ought to be changed, it ought to look different. Maybe it doesn't change overnight, although I know some people, they meet the Lord and radically and instantly they're changed and transformed. But all of us, if Jesus, if we really know Jesus, if we really have real faith, if we've really invited him into the house of our life, then our life is becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And good deeds, good works, love is flowing out of us. Come on, somebody, that's good preaching. All right, pastor, you guys are quiet. It's 1130. Getting hungry, but that's the truth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means in relationship with him, in the kingdom of heaven, born again. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It doesn't say he's the same old person, she's the same old gal. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Thank God in our country right now, you might be harassed for being a Christian. We haven't really begun to face persecution yet. I hope not, but it could happen. But if you were arrested, for being a Christian, and if you were put on trial, would there even be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Or would they say, nope, they're just like everybody else, release him or her. Does your life look exactly like an unbeliever? If it does, there's a problem. That's what James is saying. Maybe you have fake faith. Maybe you don't have real faith. Number four, real faith is more than a truth I believe. Real faith is more than a truth, I believe. Verse 19, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you, <laughs> good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. In other words, I pity the fool. I pity you. Come on, how, I pity, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? I think one of the reasons I like James is is because he's so blunt and straightforward and that's how I am. But I think he's a little bit sarcastic too. <laughs> Good for you. Even the demons believe that. Listen, <laughs> you, you, you could say, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in God. Yes, most people, most people will tell you that. You enter, just pick a random person on the street. Most, most the majority, they, they'll say that they believe in God. Big deal. That doesn't get you into heaven. There'll be a lot of people in hell who believe in God. The demons believe in God. They're not atheists. (laughs) The devil believes in God. He's not an atheist. He knew exactly who Jesus was, the sinless son of God. That's why he tried to kill him. (laughs) Imagine for a moment with me that the devil had a meeting with his demons to try to persuade the world that God didn't exist. And since they themselves believe in his existence, they wondered, how do we accomplish this? So one demon suggested that they tell people that Jesus Christ never really existed, he's just made up. Another demon suggested that they persuade the world that death ends everything and that there's no need to worry about life after death. One of the more intelligent demons finally spoke up and suggested that they tell everyone that there is a God, that his son is Jesus Christ, and that believing in him saves, but all you have to do is profess faith in him and then go on living in sin as you used to. And this is a tactic and a strategy that hell still uses to this day. Listen, if we have been saved from hell, then don't keep living like hell. Romans chapter 6, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Number five, last point is this. Real faith is something I do. Real faith is something I do. Verse 18, someone might say, you have faith, but I have deeds. Then James writes, show me your faith without doing anything, and I will show you my faith by what I do. That's what this entire chapter is about. That's really what the book of James, the letter of James is all about. Real faith shows up in my life. If there's no change in my life, if I'm not living differently, if I look like everybody else, if I look like an unbeliever, that's fake faith. That's not real faith. James says in in chapter 1, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. John says in 1 John 3, 18, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Jesus himself says in John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So what are you doing to stand firm in the faith? What are you doing to take a stand for Jesus? What are you doing to demonstrate your faith? What are you doing to put your faith into action? What are you doing to show that you love others? One of the the most important prayers that you could probably pray on a regular basis saying, God, show me what I need to do. Speak to me. God, show me what I need to do. In fact, close your eyes right now for a moment. We're almost done. (laughs) Not quite. We're almost. But just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, if, if there's something that I need to do that I haven't done, show me what I need to do. You can open up your eyes. There's something that I know that I need to do for one of my neighbors that I've not been wanting to, but Lord's speaking to me on that. You know, I think when I think about real faith, and I think about faith in action, faith that is demonstrated in our lives, in our our good works, in our in our deeds. I think of my mom, Pastor Sherry, on the front row. If you know my mom, one of the most amazing people you'll ever meet in your life. My mom's one of my heroes and. And my mom prays, and she prays, she prays, she intercedes, she prays, a powerful intercessor. But my mom doesn't just pray, my mom acts. <laughs> when, if you're hanging around my mom long enough, you say, there's something different about that lady. I can see Jesus in her. I laugh sometimes, I kind of joke, would joke with my dad, I joke kind of with my family, my mom's like a superhero. It's like everywhere she goes, she finds some trouble and she jumps in there and she's helping somebody. She's not just praying for them, she's helping them. My mom goes out and feeds the homeless near where she lives every week by herself, which isn't the safest thing. We're like, mom, you probably shouldn't do that. She goes out anyway and does that. That's real faith, men and women. Listen, James, James closes the, the chapter and he gives us two examples, biblical examples of real faith. He talks about Abraham. Here's a point on Abraham. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Abraham showed real faith by obeying God even when it didn't make sense. You can read Genesis 22. Sometimes when God speaks to us and says, hey, I want you to do this, it's not gonna make sense. That's where real faith comes in. Are you gonna obey him? Are you gonna do what he says? And the Bible says, the Bible actually calls Abraham the father of faith. But in this passage, James said that Abraham, he walked in faith. He was called the friend of God. I don't know about you. I want to be called the friend of God. I want to walk in faith. You know, the second person that's mentioned, this is amazing, is Rahab. It's amazing. Of all the people that the Holy Spirit could have chose, he chose Rahab. Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the, read Joshua chapter 2 and Joshua chapter 6. You'll learn about Rahab. God had given the Israelites, the promised land, Joshua's leading them in there. The first city they come up against is Jericho, highly, highly fortified city. So Joshua sends two spies to go into the city, undercover, on a secret mission, and says, come back and report what you see. Well, Rahab, somehow, she was a prostitute. She was was a streetwalker, literally, she was. Somehow she meets these two guys, starts talking to them, and finds out, hold on a second, you know, you know that God that I've heard about. You serve that God. You know that God who delivered you and those millions of people out of Egypt. He did miracles. He killed all the Egyptians. I've heard about this God. I believe in this God. And when she found that out, she protected these two spies. And her, at the risk of her own life by the way, her and her entire family, her entire household were the only ones in the city of Jericho that were saved. By the way, I forgot to say this at the other services. Do you realize that your faith, your real faith can save your whole household? You might be the first Christian in your family, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, your cousins, your aunts and uncles, all could come to faith in the Lord because of you. (laughs) She risked her own life. And Rahab the prostitute became the great, great grandmother of King David, one of the greatest men who's ever lived. Rahab the prostitute is one of only four women mentioned in Matthew chapter 4 in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. That's phenomenal. You know what that tells me? It doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what you've been involved with, it doesn't matter what mistakes you made, it doesn't matter your background, real faith is greater than all of those things. Real because if, if you have real faith, come on, Jesus can come in, and he can change your life. Number five, did I give the fifth point, or did I skip it? I gave it already. All right, I need to, I need to finish preaching. <laughs> I'm tired. I don't know what I preached. I didn't need the services anymore. I'll close with this story. There's a, the, a famous story told about a, a world-renowned tightrope walker. His name was Charles Blondin, 1850s, 1860s nicknamed the Great Blondin. He was known, he was known all around the world for doing amazing feats. One time he decided he was gonna walk across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. You can imagine back then, you know, this was the height of entertainment. So thousands of people came lined up on the American side, on the Canadian side, to see this guy. He walked slowly across from one side to the other. Crowd went wild. And then he walked back across with ease <laughs> and the crowd went nuts. And then he got a wheelbarrow <laughs> and he walked across. When he got in the middle, just for drama, he kind of pretended to wobble a little bit and the crowd ooing and aahing. He gets to the other side and they're just going crazy. A gentleman comes up to him and says, Mr. Blondin, this is the most phenomenal, amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. I bet you could do this a 100 times in a row and not fall. I bet you could do this the rest of your life and never fall. And Blondin looked at him and said, do you really believe this? And the guy said, yes, I do. Then Blondin emptied out the wheelbarrow and said, get in, buddy. (laughs) Listen, real faith gets in the wheelbarrow. (laughs) That's a test. It's one thing. It's one thing to say it. It's one thing to feel it. It's one thing to debate it. It's one thing to just believe it, just mental assent. That's not real faith. Real faith is something you do. Real faith is action. Real faith is demonstrated in good works. Real faith is evident, men and women, in your life. 2 Corinthians 13.5, check up on yourselves. Are you really Christians? (laughs) Do you pass the test? Do you feel Christ's presence and power more and more within you? Or are you just pretending to be Christians when actually you aren't at all? Wow. Ask yourself as we close, am I really a Christian? Or am I a fake Christian? Is my faith phony? Have I really put my faith in Christ or do I just you know, did I just say a few words in prayer and I'm just living however I wanna live? Has Jesus really changed my life? What changes can I point to in my life? Is my lifestyle any different than an unbeliever? Or does it just look exactly the same? Listen, if you're not a real Christian, if you, if you don't have real faith, the Bible says today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation. And it begins for all of us, it begins with an, an acknowledgement of our own sinfulness. The fact that God's right and we're wrong. That we're not perfect, the Bible calls that sin. And the Bible says, Jesus himself says, you need to repent of your sin, you need to turn around. That means to turn around, means to change your thinking, it really means change of direction, change of thinking, change of, that results in a change of direction, that results in a change of life. You need to repent and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. There, there, I know for a fact there are some people sitting here right now in this room. There's some people watching online. And you like coming to church you know, for whatever reason, maybe it, because of how it makes you feel. Maybe it's inspiring or encouraging. Maybe your spouse just kind of drags you and forces you along, but you're not saved. If your heart stopped beating right now, you'd end up in hell for eternity. You don't have real faith. You have a fake faith. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not, that's not a threat. That's just the truth. That's what James is talking about. Men and women, I'm not interested in, in building a big church, just good church attenders, people that give a few bucks in the offering. I'm not in that's not what Jesus has called me to do. That's not what he's called us to do as a church. I'm interested in making disciples. I'm interested in you becoming a fully functioning follower of Jesus. I'm interested in seeing your life change and transform by the power of Jesus, seeing you look more like Jesus, smell more like Jesus, live more like Jesus, be filled with his power and his presence so that everywhere you go, you can take the kingdom with you. That's what we're talking about, we're not talking about fake faith here. We're talking about real faith. I want you to know the Lord in this life and spend eternity with Him in heaven. I want you to be a friend of God. Pastor Judy just just mentioned it so beautifully. This Almighty Creator, He wants to know you. He wants to know you. He wants you to walk with Him. He wants you to hear His voice. He wants you to. Ex- Experience his love, and he wants to use you to change the world around you, because there's a lot of hurt, hurting, lost, broken people all around the world, and Jesus wants to reach them. He wants to change their life just like he's changed yours, and he's going to use you to do that. That's how it works. But you have to know him. It begins with the decision. It begins with surrender. That's why, that's why you say, Jesus, be my Lord. That means be my boss. Be my master, be my owner. In other words, I have surrendered my life to you. I'm not living for myself anymore. Now, Jesus, I'm living for you. I'm a slave to Christ. And be my Savior. Cleanse me, forgive me of all of my sins, all of my unrighteousness, all my brokenness, all the things that I've done, sought, uh, done that I've said, done, and thought before that are wrong, that sin. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I want to change. I need you in my life. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about right now. Maybe you've never made that decision before. Maybe you've heard, you know, you've been in church. You've heard about God. You you have some knowledge about being a Christian. Maybe you even believe in God. Good. Even the demons believe. (laughs) But do you know him? Do you know him? Maybe you've prayed a prayer, but you're not living for him. You've walked away. Listen, I feel an urgency this weekend. I can't preach strong like this and not give a clear, strong altar call. I, I can't, I can, I'm not trying to manipulate or arm twist anybody in the kingdom. I can't do that. I'm just telling you, all the forces of hell are trying to keep you out of relationship with God, and they're trying to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. I, I, in fact, Pastor Junior and I, our whole staff just found out a few days ago, a young man in his 20s that died. You know, I knew him personally. I, had, I remember he sat over there one time. I remember when he raised his hand during an altar call not too long ago. I feel an This is life or death to me. I'm not playing around. I'm not playing games here. I, just, I, want, I want people going to heaven. I want you to know the Lord. I feel it right now. I'm telling you. Tell, and there's some people here, you need to get right with God today. You need to get right with God. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. And God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Close your eyes for a moment and just to give the gift of privacy. If you're here today, you've never made a decision. Maybe, you've, you know, you've, like I said, you prayed a prayer, but you just, you just say, I'm not right with God. I need, to, I, need to, I need to come back to Him right now. He loves you more than any words that I could ever articulate. He loves you so much. But you have to choose to open up your heart. <laughs> Open up the door of your life. Knock, knock. Who's there? Jesus. <laughs> Let me in. He won't come in. He, he doesn't force himself in, men and women. He only comes if he's invited. Say, John, that's me. I, w- I want to make that decision for the first time. I want to come back to the Lord. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand here today, and I want to see you. I won't embarrass you, but I want to see you today. I want to agree with you. On the count of three. One, Two, three, raise your hand, raise your hand, wherever you are, yep, I see you. Look at me too, I want, you to, I want you to look at me, I see you. That's awesome, anybody else here today? Anybody else? I see you way over there in the back, that's awesome. I think there's more, there's somebody, I see you in the back, third person. I feel like there's more than, than three today. Anybody else here today? Praise God, yep, that's awesome. Uh, in fact, I wanna, I wanna invite everybody to do something. Everybody open up your eyes and stand your feet quietly if you would, yep, I saw you. I'm gonna ask you, I normally don't do this by the way. I grew up in church where we did this every week and maybe we'll start doing it again because I I like this, I think it's powerful. This is what I'm gonna ask in just a moment. There's three people who raised their hand, I I saw them. I won't embarrass you, I won't call you out, I promise uh, I won't do that. But I want to ask you in a moment to get out of your seat and come to the front. And one of the reasons I'm doing that is because this is a pretty direct word today, Take an action. It's one thing to raise your hand. That's good, God sees that, by the way. But I think there's something powerful that will happen in your heart if you can take a few steps and come to the front. Jesus said it like this. He says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. There ain't no such thing as secret Christians. Jesus said, Let everybody know that you're my disciple. Let them see it in your life. Maybe you brought somebody today. Maybe you brought a friend they normally don't go to church. You could ask them in a moment, say, Hey, do you need to respond? I'll walk up with you. I'll walk up. I think there's something, if you could just overcome that fear, I, I think the Lord will honor that. I wanna, I wanna do that today. There were three people I saw raise their hand. Maybe there's more that didn't, but they wanna respond. I wanna invite you to the, to the front. I'm gonna ask you to come to the front. I wanna shake your hand. I wanna just know your name. I won't make you say anything in the mic in front of anybody. And then I'm going to lead all of us into prayer this morning. You already came up, ma'am. God bless you. Get out of your seat right now, if that's you, friends. Get out of your seat. and come, in. come on, church. Let's applaud. Let's celebrate those making that decision today. Get out and come to the front. There's a gentleman over there. Prayer team, come on up here. Come on up to the front. Come on up to the front. Keep clapping and encouraging them. Praise the Lord, that's so good. Just just stay up here for a moment. In fact, church, would you stretch your hands out towards him, just as a sign of agreement? And this is so awesome, so beautiful. Sometimes I just feel the love of God, especially at 1130, you guys must be more holy than the rest of the services. I feel God's love here today. The closer you get to the Lord, I think the more you realize, man, I'm just a sinner. I'm just thankful that Jesus saved me. That's why the apostle Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners. and Jesus saved me and changed my life. I want to lead us in a prayer because that's where it starts. I know faith is more than words, but it starts with a confession. It starts with a decision in our hearts. You know that. I know you're making a recommitment to the Lord today because I know you. I wanna lead all of us in a prayer. This is a little bit longer prayer than we normally pray. Let's all repeat this prayer out loud together. Let's all of us repeat it in support of our friends this morning who are responding. Just repeat a phrase at a time. God, thank you for loving me. I don't wanna have a fake faith. I wanna really trust you. I want you to change my life. I don't want to just talk the talk. I want to walk the walk. I want to know you and trust you. Like Abraham and Rahab, I want to be your friend. Forgive me of my sin. I surrender my life completely to you. Jesus Christ, be my Lord, be my Savior. Make me a new person. Fill me with your spirit. I want to live for you all the days of my life. And I declare that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about the cause or for further resources, visit our website thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.